right. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. If you are a first-time uh, guest here or visitor, uh, out here we have in your uh, programs our connection card. Please feel free to fill out that connection card. Give us as much information about yourself as you like. Whether you are a visitor or a member here, right on the back of that connection card, you can give a prayer request, give us some insight, your thoughts, and please feel free to drop that in the offering bucket as it goes by. Let me give you a quick announcement. Everyone's been asking, where is Rosie? Where is Rosie? If you're a visitor and you're like, who's Rosie? Rosie's my wife. Where is Rosie? Um, we have kids, uh, one kid that's playing football right now. So he's been in playoffs, and they keep moving his game up so that they can beat the weather because it's been hot the last couple of weeks. So Rosie hasn't been here the last couple of Sundays. Um, Tyler had a game today at 1, and they moved it all the way up to 11 o'clock so they can beat the heat. So she says she wanted me to tell you guys she loves you and she misses you, and hopefully when this football season is over, which should be this weekend, you will see her beautiful face back in here. But she wanted to tell me, uh, tell you guys that she loves you and she misses you, all right? You're welcome. Um, <laughs> so we're going to um, continue a series here that we've been started a few weeks ago. The name of the series is called Good to Great. Uh, in God's Eyes. It is a book written by Chip Ingram. It's a phenomenal book. If you don't have this book, I'm going to keep plugging that you get this book. Um, if you have an opportunity, you're not a, a book reader, you have a lot of time driving in the cars, uh, get the audio version of this book. Listen to it. It has great insight. And so for this summer series that we're doing, we're going to be doing our summer series from this book, From Good to Great in God's Eyes by Chip Ingram. Um, we're going to ask that, uh, we're going to pray. And while we're praying, we're going to ask that you would turn to the book of 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. 1 Corinthians, 11th chapter. While you're flipping through, scrolling through your app, I'll pray for us. Father God, it's by your grace, it's by your mercy, it's by your love, it's by your kindness that you uh, watch over us, that you place and, and share and, and wash us with your love. Open up our hearts to receive your word, to receive your truth. Uh, give us great insight in you and who you are and the things you desire for us. Uh, Father, let us be obedient and submissive to your will. And Father, let us be faithful. Uh, to know you on higher levels and deeper depths. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, as we do, we ask that you uh, stand that we uh, read God's word. It's a real quick verse, so you won't have to stand too long today. Uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, verse 1, and it reads like this, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Amen? You can be seated. I told you it was short today. No couple of verses today, just one quick one. Um, you should... Imitate me just as I imitate Christ. We're talking about today uh, from our Good to Great series, um, pursuing great people, pursuing great people. This book talks about, and as you've been with us the last couple of weeks, we've talked about going after and, and having great thoughts and understanding that you need to think great thoughts to uh, have an amazing life with Christ and have an amazing life in general, thinking great thoughts. We talked about reading great books. The great books will expand your mind, your concepts, your beliefs, your principles. Read these books. Stretch them out. Let them grow your brain. Let them grow your thought process. Let them cause you to think beyond the realms that you're used to. Now we get to this next passage of, of, of chapter here in this book, which is entitled Pursue Great People. I want you to look at this picture we have on the screen. Hopefully it'll pop up in just a second. Um, this picture is Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore was built for the purposes of, of of to bring people to this great state where it's built, but it's also built because it wanted to represent a few things. It wanted to represent um, these concepts. It wanted to represent presidents that represented the birth, the growth, the development, and the, uh, <clears throat> and, and the growth of this country. It wanted to represent these characteristics of our country. 
It wanted to represent these characteristics in a way that showed how the country has grown, how the country has been strengthened, uh, how the country has gone through adversity and difficulties, but has come out triumphant. It caught it, they decided to build this Mount Rushmore so that it would represent these things of our country. What's so great about that is that they said, we're going to take what we feel are probably some of our greatest and most influential presidents of that time, and we're going to place them on this giant mountain, and we're going to carve it out, and we're going to call this Mount Rushmore. These are the men that have helped shape and develop our country. The question that the uh, book asks, Chip Ingram asks, is do you have a spiritual Mount Rushmore? Are there people in your life that you can look back, that you can reflect on and say that these people have been influential in certain areas and arenas of my life? Have these people, um, have we built this kind of thing in our mindset that they are the Mount Rushmores of the people that we believe in, that they have given us and they have sown into us great and tremendous ways that we can look back and say, you know what, there are a few figures that meet the qualifications that have brought some kind of growth in my life, some kind of development in my life, some kind of perseverance in my life. These people are key and significant people in my life. Do you have those people in your life? And some of you guys will say yes. And some of you guys will say no, and some of you guys will say, I have negative Mount Rushmores. And you may have your negative Mount Rushmores, and sometimes it's a lot easier to build and erect negative Mount Rushmores than positive Mount Rushmores. But what Chip Ingram desires to place into our hearts and our minds is that you and I should start to develop these positive Mount Rushmores of people. Has it been a PE teacher that has sown into you in a certain kind of way? A history teacher? Has it been a philosophy person? Has it been a Christian? Do you have this Mount Rushmore of people that you can look at and say, these people have shaped and developed me? And so, as we take this concept of these Mount Rushmores and have we developed them, have we, do we have these great people in our lives that have shaped our lives? I want to share with you again 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Paul says, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Paul says that I am following after Jesus Christ, who is one of the spiritual figures on my Mount Rushmore. And he says, I am someone that's doing great things, chasing after God, following God. Paul is credited for writing two-thirds of the New Testament. He says, I want you to also follow me as I follow Christ, because I think I'm a pretty good example of what Christianity should look like. Are you guys with me? And so he says to a litany of Christians, a litany of believers— and those that are going to come that open up these scriptures, that open up these scrolls and read about these experiences that Paul has had, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. He says, in other words, I'm not necessarily saying put me on your Mount Rushmore, but understand I'm going in the right direction of Mount Rushmore, my spiritual Mount Rushmore. Why don't you start doing the same thing? Paul challenges the believers to follow him as he follows Christ. He says, this would be a great person to have as one of your spiritual Mount Rushmores moving forward in life. The question is, do you have any spiritual Mount Rushmores? Do you have any people that you could place on your Mount Rushmore mountain or memorial? I'm going to kind of give you this next picture, a question that you already started to start asking yourself. And that picture's up there, right? There we go. Bam. Who's on your spiritual Mount Rushmore? Who are the people that you have put in place that you can reflect back on and see these are the people that have helped me spiritually grow? These are the people that encouraged me. These are the people that pushed me further. These are the people that shoved me into the right direction. What does that look like? How do I categorize that? What does that feel like? I'm glad you asked that question. I'm going to share with you today. Woo, it's like pulling teeth. They tough today. All right, here we go. There's three kind of categories you want to have for your spiritual Mount Rushmore. There's three kind of categories you want to fill. The first category you want to fill, number one, is you need a Paul in your life. Everybody say Paul. 
you need a Paul in your life. The Paul in your life is going to be someone that is a mentor-like relationship. They are going to share with you. They're going to speak into your life. They're going to give you guidance and direction on how to make wise and intelligent moves. You can have spiritual Pauls, and everyone should have a spiritual Paul. Paul in the Bible, again, writes two-thirds of the New Testament. He's been able to share the Word of God. He's preached. He's taught. He's led people to Christ. He's saved people. He's rebuked people. He's done tremendous and amazing things. Everybody needs a Paul in their life that can mentor them, that can share with them, that can teach them, that can help guide them in the direction they need to go. I believe you should have a spiritual Paul, and you should also probably have, if you cannot find one or don't have one, something that's similar to a secular Paul. Maybe in life you're dealing with uh, finances or you're, or you're trying to be a, a money manager. You need somebody maybe that can give you some principles on how to do things to grow your money, to grow your mentality, to grow to be a better father, to be a, a better leader. You need to have people in your life that can pour into you that are wiser, that are smarter, that are more intelligent, more seasoned, that can develop you to grow. You guys with me? Everybody should have a pole. That's one of the categories that should be on your Mount Rushmore. Another Mount Rushmore character or person you should have is a Timothy. Everybody say Timothy. Timothy is a student or a mentee from Paul. He is someone that is learning from Paul. Paul shares the truth. Paul shares the gospel. But Paul also grabs several guys in his lifetime, and he says, let me mentor you. Let me develop you. Let me share with you. Let me show you how to walk. Let me show you how to talk. Let me show you how to interpret Scripture. I was 20 years old, and I was handsome. (sighs) Man, I was handsome. I had beautiful, beautiful black wavy locks of hair. It was amazing strapping young man. There were muscles and everything. I was beautiful. Did I say I was handsome yet? I was handsome. You got me. You, you know, we can relate. I got you. You got me. It was, woo! I was great. And so I entered into this church, and I'm a guy fumbling around looking for um, relationship and what purpose is. I had grown up in my childhood church, and that church was great for what it was, but there was something inside of me that was looking for something deeper. And I stumbled upon this church, and as I started going there, um, there were so many great, amazing things happening at this church. And so I started asking questions, and this, this one of the ministers on staff pulled me to the side and said, listen, I'm starting a new discipleship group for young men. I think you should be a part of it. I said, awesome, what time does it start? I have so many questions, so many, so many things I need. I need information. And he said, that's great. I want you to be here at 7 in the morning on Saturday. And the record scratch. <laughs> what? I'm a strapping young man. I hang out Friday night. I'm not getting up at Saturday. You don't have, do you have a Sunday afternoon class? Saturday morning. I said, all right, Saturday morning, 7 o'clock. Every week for the next two weeks, he saw me at that church. He said, don't forget, we got that young men's class starting Saturday. It's from, tw- it's from 18-year-old to 30. It's a young men's class. We're going to break you guys up. Great time, great opportunity. I said, great, that's wonderful. Saturday morning came, 10.30. I woke up. I said, oh, man, I missed that class. I guess I'll try it again tomorrow. And back then, your phone's. They had voicemails on them. Remember, it was a long time ago, they would flash. You would have to pick up your phone, and you could see there was six messages. And so I picked up my phone, and the message said, hey, this is Minister so-and-so. You had class today at 7 in the morning. Why aren't you here? Give me a call at dot, 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 dot. I said, whoa. heck was that? And so I didn't call him. <laughs> I didn't call him. <laughs> Absolutely not. 
And so I decided to go to the later service because I figured I would avoid running into him. And he caught me. He said, yo, B-Wade, let me talk to you real quick. He said, why weren't you at church uh, for the men's group? And I said, I overslept. And he said, you need to figure out what kind of man you're going to I'm 20 years old. This dude's got his finger like in my eyeball. You need to figure out what kind of man you're going to be. Are you going to be committed? Are you going to be faithful? Are you what are you going to be about? Classes at 7 in the morning on Saturday. Make sure that you're there. In the middle of the hallway... In a packed church, I felt, I'm big, strong. I felt this big. I'm strapping. I felt horrible. Long, wavy locks. I felt miserable. Just and Saturday the next morning, I was there. And every Saturday after that. And he challenged me, and he poured into me, and he shared with me, and he talked with me, and he walked with me on the scriptures and how to deal with relationships and how to deal with being involved with uh, relationships, God relationships and women and guys and just all this stuff he shared with me. And he poured into me for 10 years plus after that. Everybody needs to have a Timothy where they have somebody that is wise and intelligent and deep in their word, and they're also pouring into somebody else's life that Timothy that they can shape and grow and be developed. Everybody needs a Timothy because everybody needs encouragement. They need growth. They need to know how to become successful. The third kind of person you need is Barnabas. Say Barnabas. In the Scriptures, it tells us that Paul is, you know, the super cum laude of all Jesus' information and stuff, and he's this really wise guy, and he also grabs these guys around him. He grabs these Timothys, and he, par- he shares in them and pours in them and shapes them and molds them. But it also says that Paul, in his adventures and his journeys of sharing the gospel, has somebody with him by the name of Barnabas. And they are two people that work together. They're co-laborers in the ministry. They share gospel together. They hang out together. They eat bread together. They work together. They have fun together. In this Christian life, you need people that you can walk with in life that are buddies, that are friends, that are followers of Christ, that get the information, know the information, share the information, and can hold you accountable while you're living this life. Did everybody catch that? Everybody needs Barnabas. I was blessed and fortunate enough to grab a couple Barnabases in my life, and I'll share that with you in a few moments. You need on your Mount Rushmore these categories, a Paul, you need a Timothy, you need a Barnabas. These three categories are going to be the people that fuel you to grow, to succeed, to be successful. The title of this message is Pursue Great People. Great people push you to grow. Great people cause other people to grow. Great people cause you to stay in line so that you will grow. And you need all three of these aspects on your spiritual Mount Rushmore. You can have two Pauls. You can have three Timothys. You can have one Barnabas or six Barnabas. The problem, the situation is that you need to have these people in your life. All right. You got it? All right, let's pray. Now I'm playing with you. There's more. Hold on. There's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. Hold on. <laughs> you guys are like, yes. All right, here we go. How do, how, how to pursue these great people? I'm going to give you about six or seven things you need to pursue these great people. I've told you what they look like. Now we need to figure out how do we get them. You guys are with me? Because one, one thing for me to say, hey, listen, this is steak. And you all say, oh, this steak, it looks great. You need to know how to cook steak. So I'm not here just to show you what it looks like. I'm here to show you how to make this and how to get this thing going. 
Here's what you need to do. In order to pursue great people, how do we pursue great people? Number one, we need to pray earnestly. Everyone just sucked their teeth and said, really? Pray earnestly. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, never stop praying. We should be praying earnestly. We're looking for people to help us grow and be successful. We need to pray that God would bring the right people in our lives. Because the problem is, and I do a lot of marriage counseling, there's a lot of people praying for a spouse. Oh, you smiled. You got me. <laughs> the young man is free, ladies. Um, <laughs> just let you know, I'm not going to tell you his name. Green shirt over there. Um, green shirt. Uh, <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of people that are praying for relationships and marriage. The problem is that they get people and it's not the right person. And so just because you've prayed doesn't mean that that's the thing for you. You need to pray earnestly that God would give you and send you the right people that you could put on your Mount Rushmore. You should pray that God would bring you the right people that you could put on your Mount Rushmore. Just because somebody pops up in your face and they say, I'm a Christian, doesn't mean that they are the same person that walks with the same character and integrity and values as you. So you need to pray for the right people that you can start planning on your Mount Rushmore. Ephesians 6.18 says this, pray in the Spirit at all times, and on every occasion, stay alert, be persevering, uh, be, uh, be, uh, yeah, keep praying for all believers everywhere. Not only should you be praying for people to be on your spiritual Mount Rushmore, but it would be great if you could pray for other people to get people on their spiritual Mount Rushmore. Did y'all catch that? It's very selfish to pray me, 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 because we're believers. We should be praying that everybody gets teamed up with great people that will have successful lives, that will have people that impact their lives everywhere. So my prayer is for me, that God, you would meet my needs, and my prayer consistently is, God, you would meet the needs of others, that they would have a Paul, a Timothy, a Barnabas in their life. Number one, you should pray earnestly. Number two, you should what? What does it say? Take initiative. Nine times out of ten, great people are not going to walk up to you and say, I choose you. You're going to have to take the initiative to find great people. For you to sit there and say, I want great people in my life, I want great people in my life, and you never move beyond, I want great people in my life, means nine times out of ten, you'll never get great people in your life. Great people go after great people. If you want to be great, then you go get them. You go chase after them. You go find. You go pray. You go look at people's character. Look at their Facebook and their Instagram and the people that they follow. Oh, let me say it again. You want to figure out the character of people? Start looking at who they follow on Facebook and Instagram. I don't have a Facebook and Instagram. Don't worry, I'll get back to you in a second. The concept is you start to see what's important to them through their friends, values, and concepts. Look at their friend list. About to mess a lot of people up today. Look at who they follow. Look who they're with. They used to say back in the olden days, <laughs> if I know it, then it's not too old. It's a birds of a feather, what? Flock together. You all dated yourselves too. Um, <laughs> birds of a feather flock together. If I want to know who you are and what you believe in and what your associations are, I look at who you follow and who you hang out with and who you deal with, who are your friends, what are your activities. That kind of gives me insight in who you are. And then I should be able to figure out if that's somebody I kind of want to talk to or hang out with. If you want to start building this spiritual monument of great people, find people, be intentional, uh, work hard, dig deep. 
seek who these people are. Matthew 6, says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. If you're seeking after God and you're seeking after godly relationships, God will bring godly relationships into your life. Amen. There's one. One in the back. God bless you. All you five dollars. Um, <laughs> number three, start in your, your what? Your relational network. Nine times out of ten, the people that you're looking for to be on this Mount Rushmore of yours are generally in your own vicinity and in your arena. Is that 20-year-old young man is handsome, strong, beautiful, gorgeous, Muscles. I really miss that guy. I miss him a lot. <laughs> Daily, I miss him. Um, that guy, he had friends all over the place. He wasn't but a, a page. <laughs> and where kids are like, what's a page? I was nothing but a page or a text message. Those were by minutes, though. But a page or a phone call away from two or three dates. I was a wild, young, strong, strapping guy, and I started to do this Christianity thing, and I started cutting off all of these bad relationships, and there was a period in time in my Christianity for about five or six months, it felt really lonely. It did. Because I'm trying to get rid of these bad influences, I'm trying to get rid of these people that aren't walking in the ways of Christ, and it gets a little lonely trying to figure out do I want God relationships or do I want my worldly relationships? And when I'm doing God and I hang out with the worldly folk, it just doesn't still feel the same. Like I know I'm supposed to be the salt and the light, but right now, <sighs> and one day I hung out after breakfast because we had early men's group at freaking 7 in the morning. <laughs> so when you get out at 9.30, you're hungry, and you go down to IHOP, and the guys are like, let's all go to IHOP together. And in that relationship, when we had breakfast, there started these relationships with guys that I would never deal with and never talk to, and then started these relationships. These relationships blossomed in the six guys that ended up being groomsmen at my own wedding. They're guys that I can call right now and say, hey, what's going on? What's happening? How's life going on? And it started there. Nine times out of ten in your own personal relationship are the people you're looking for that are going to help build you and be successful and challenge you and push you and mentor you and grow you and walk with you in life. A lot of times we spend the majority of our time looking way, 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 way out there for people we can connect with, and God has generally put those people right in our parameters. And if we're bold enough, passionate enough, We'll make connections. Here's number four for you. How to pursue great people. Ask for help. Oh, man, that's a tough one. It's a tough one because we have this thing called pride, and I'll just deal with me. You guys are pride-free. I, I have pride, and I don't want to ask for help. I don't want to ask how to change a tire when I was younger. I don't want to ask for anything. I'll figure it out. Remember, never asking for help or directions on how to change a tire and ruin the whole bottom of my car. I didn't know there was a little groove you had to look for. And I'm just <laughs> jacking that thing up. And yeah, the whole everything just stripped. Whoa. Never ask for help. In order for us to be successful, we have to ask for what? Help. Now, it would be great in, in magical land if somebody came along and just pulled us along and said, listen, I'm going to be your Paul. You're going to be my Timothy. I'm going to show you everything you need to do in life. But that doesn't always happen. 
And so the first things we talked about is being, being intentional, uh, searching, looking for, looking in our relational section, circles. How do we grow? How do we be successful? How do we do these things passionately? Finding people that will teach us how to do stuff, but at the same time asking for what? Help. Can you help me? Women are a lot easier in this because they talk more. And that in the wrong way, it is just proven that women say 10,000 words a day. And guys say more like three. Maybe 1,000. <laughs> Maybe, you know, three or 3,000. But that's like an actual thing. That's an actual stat. And so in communication, women are better at communicating than guys. And so guys, it's very hard for us to ask for what? Help. Ask for help. I need what? Help. And once you get help, retain that information. Dennis, we had kids. I could talk to you for a second. There's nothing worse than a kid asking for help, and then they ask for help the very next day. And the very next day. Like, you're not learning this life skill? Dude, it's a microwave. Press three. The same three you pressed for breakfast the other two days. All right? So at the same time, ask for help and what? Retain the information. It's tight, Chris. All right, here we go. Number five. It says to persevere. In order to grow great relationships, to pursue great relationships, you have to persevere. Um, for all of you guys that have entered into beautiful, holy matrimony, marriage, you didn't just walk up to her and say, you, I choose you, meet you on May 15th. It work that way. There's this thing where you are pursuing. You go out and you have dinner and you do flowers and you do candy and you open the door and you listen to conversation. And if you were in college like me, then you spend all of your prepaid minutes from your cards. Anybody remember those days when you just ran through your prepaid minutes? Oh, it was great. And you just ran up phone bills and stuff. Oh, you just spend time and time. You talk and you talk and it's pursuing. It's developing what? This relationship. In order to grow great relationships, you and I have to pursue. And pursue doesn't mean you ask once and you stop. It is that you are persistent, that you chase after. Hey, man, do you have time for coffee? Not today. What about uh, tomorrow? Not tomorrow. What about next week? Next week will work. All right, next week won't work for me. What do you look like two weeks from now? Two weeks is great. Okay, well, let's do it. You got to pursue. You got to chase after. You have to make time for this thing to happen. You have to be persistent for relationships to work. And I promise you that you're not going to always like what your Paul or your Timothy or your Barnabas says to you. It doesn't mean that you quit the whole relationship. There are going to be times when your mentor is too in your business, and you don't like it, and it's uncomfortable, and it's frustrating. But pursuing great relationships means you have to deal with some of those uncomfortable moments of, of life. Yeah. And as much as you want to talk with your Barnabas and your best friend and you guys laugh, they're going to say something that angers you tremendously. I'm using, I'm using my godly voice. Angers you tremendously. And you're going to either decide to cut the cord or you'll catch an attitude for a day or two and you'll push through and keep moving. You have to be persistent to grow these relationships so that you can be successful. After you're doing this one, point number six, you need to get creative. Get creative. 
We are in the day and time now where you can video chat, you can Facebook, you can Instagram, you can video message, you can Skype, you can uh, FaceTime. You guys with me? Like I'm naming all these different ways that you can possibly be innovative to talk. Or maybe you don't have any of those things. You live in a cave. There's still a thing called pen and paper, and they still sell stamps somewhere. I don't know where, but they sell them somewhere. You can write a letter and post that thing on out, and, and you can be pen pals. You guys remember pen pals in, in elementary school? You can be pen pals. There are so many ways to talk to people that are all across the country and the universe and the world that you can be innovative and think of ways to make things happen. You can be innovative in your ways of being able to talk and build relationships. Don't think because we don't see each other on a weekly basis that we have no ability to communicate. Not true, false. Be innovative in how you're going to make relationships work that you can build relationships to be with great people. Be innovative in your ways. We have this phrase that we use a lot um, where I come from. It's called fake it till you make it. Have you guys heard that before? Fake it till you make it. So when I was looking for... um, So I was at this really big church, and I had this mentor, and he was mentoring me, but I wanted to learn how to preach, and because we're in this really big church, he didn't get a chance to preach a lot. I thought he was a phenomenal preacher, but he didn't get a chance to preach a lot. So how could I learn on on, on making my skill of preaching better? Well, in that particular church and structure of church, you couldn't talk to the pastor. He was way too big and high up on the totem pole. You guys have seen, you guys have heard of this stuff. It's not here, but you guys have heard of it, right? The pastor says you can't reach him, and if you want to meet him, you got to make an appointment, and maybe you'll meet him or you'll meet the assistant pastor. Like, you don't get to meet the pastor. And so I wanted to preach, but I couldn't meet the pastor. So what did I start doing? I started watching his stuff on YouTube, and I would rewind his stuff on YouTube. And I would watch, and I would buy, back then you could buy DVDs, I would buy his DVDs, his package, and I would listen to his messages, and I would burn into me how he presented the message and how his structure was and all this stuff. And so, granted, I could not necessarily be connected to him like I wanted to, but I was what? Creative enough in a way to find how to make this thing happen for me. Sometimes you're going to have to fake it till you make it. You're going to have to grab a whole bunch of these poles that have intelligence and intellect and wisdom in different areas and just kind of steal from them until God brings that one person or narrows that 12 to 3, but you're going to have to be creative in how you get this insight. Don't feel like because I can't get it all right now, I can't get it. It's not the case. you got to be creative in how you're going to make connections and relationships, and you're going to find ways to do what you can. There's some guys or ladies you want to pour into and help them be the greatest Timothys they can be, but they're not spiritually ready yet. They're not mentally uh, mature enough. And guess what? Give them as much as they can take. You can't give them everything. Give them what you can. Be creative in your ways of building these relationships. And here's the last one, which is generally the most difficult one. (sighs) Make time in your schedule. Make time in your schedule. If you keep talking about we're going to do dinner or do lunch and you never do dinner or lunch, you guys haven't made time to make dinner or lunch. Remember that girl I was talking about that you pursued or ladies, that guy that you pursued and you went out and you did everything? You had other stuff you wanted to do. You did. You had other stuff you wanted to do. But you found a way to make time to fit that person in. In order for you to have a spiritual Mount Rushmore of these Pauls, these Timothys, um, these Barnabas, you've got to make time. You've got to clear your books. 
you got time to watch 17 hours of baseball. Why? Why? You got time to watch baseball? You got time to throw a party for one game? The Super Bowl? You invest all your money in it? You planned it out two months ahead? You got time to do that? You can't make time to go meet with somebody that can help change your life? Make time. In order to pursue people, it means part of that is making time, making time to be available, to talk, to sit down, to read, to listen, to study, to talk, to share. Those things are what you need to do. Hey, Joey, I know you're on the slides over there. I want you to go back a couple points for me. And Joey's like, that's not in my job description. I know, but go backwards. I want you to go backwards to um, point number one, two. So quiet in here. Three. Go back to point three for me. Go back to point three. Joey's on it. I got him. Damn. Point three. Start in your relational network. Are you guys ready for this? Oh, it's going to be scary. Here we go. If you're coming to church, generally, you all have the same purpose. And if you're coming to this church consistently, it's either because your spouse is dragging you here or it's because you actually like some of the information that's being taught here. And so in this place are people that have some of the same similar goals and desires. Can we all at least agree on that? We at least believe to some extent the same reality of Christianity and, and salvation. We believe in the principles of, of, of marriage and, and, and the principles of unity and the principles of relationship, the principles of growth. We've kind of put these things into practice. And so if you find that you have nobody on your spiritual Mount Rushmore, it's not because um, you don't know where to go. It's because you haven't started to help yourself in your own relational network. Are you guys with me so far? So here's your assignment. Everybody find somebody and get their phone number that you don't know. Male with male, female with female. I'm going to try it again. Now you guys are moving Everybody stand up. Stand up. <clears throat> what I don't believe in is me giving you a billion information and you don't do anything with it. So guy with guy, woman with woman, get their phone number. This is the beginning stages of starting networking. Move along. Let's go. Touch up. All right, guys, let me get you to seat for a second. Let me get your seat. Attention. I got to do like high school. This is great. This is wonderful. All right, guys, let me get your attention real quick. Oh, no, no, you started. Uh, I did, didn't I? I did. Where's my teacher's bell? Bing, 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 bing. All right. So here's what's going on. Um, consider me one of those guys that doesn't believe in just you hearing stuff. Like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> your pastor who says that. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for you not to be successful. Um, I'll walk with you as we grow to be successful, but I don't necessarily want to invest in folks that don't want to grow. Um, I believe if you're here in church, you may drag your feet, but you should grow. Like every aspect of growth doesn't mean it's instantly, but it should be growth that takes place. And so if you're in a community of church, again, this is generally your social network, you should be networking with people. I don't ask people's phone numbers in church because I want to just be friendly. I actually want to sit down and figure out how we can build relationships. I've been over several of you guys' houses because I'm trying to build relationship. We're talking on the phone next because I can figure out what I can get from you, but because I'm trying to build relationship. This is a great place to network to grow where you need to grow. If you're in this place and you're trying to figure out, well, I don't have a Paul or I don't have a Timothy, I don't have a Barnabas, duh, they're probably in here for the most part. 
it's going to take you to get out of your seats and move your feet and start to network. And we don't like to ask for help. I just, I said go, and everybody sat there like, is he for real? <laughs> and everyone's sitting there like, I probably don't have a Paul, or yeah, my Timothy is no longer around. Or yeah. Everyone, the whole message, they've been like, uh, and I say, all right, well, let's get an opportunity to grow. And everyone's like, I'm not asking for help. What? Come on. What are you doing? So the job here is to push us to be successful into these levels of growth. Now, here's where it's going to get really funky and uncomfortable for you. It's going to get uncomfortable if you go a whole week and you guys don't send a text message or a phone call to each other. Because when you come back to this place, you're going to see them and you're going to say, Arr, I out to them. It's going to feel a little uncomfortable. Every relationship is a little uncomfortable in the beginning and in the middle <laughs> and at the end. Um, it's always a little uncomfortable. Part of this thing of being successful is pushing past what's uncomfortable so that we can grow. We got a Cracker Barrel like a mile and a half away, and it's delicious. Why are we not hanging out and doing Cracker Barrel after church? Why are you not meeting up? And, and let's start taking these steps to start building these relationships to grow. There's no way somebody's been in church for the last year and a half and you don't talk besides on Sunday. If that, uh, bad. And I'm also not trying to, to get people all married in church. It'd be great. I love to marry them. Guys with guys, girls with girls, building, networking, relationships. It's probably some dude who's like, man, if he hadn't said that, I would have walked right up to her and been like, hey, girl, what's your number? <laughs> Pastor said less, you know. <laughs> no, nah, I didn't do that. <laughs> no, 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 no. So guys of guys, girls of girls, let's start building these relationships. Let's start growing. Now the responsibility is on you. Here's our takeaway from today. If you didn't get the kind of people you need in your spiritual Mount Rushmore, if you didn't get these six, seven principles we gave you, here's the thing you need to get most of all. Great people pursue great people. In order for you to be great, you need to find, connect, and hook up with great people. Through some of these relationships that you make and these conversations, you'll find out we're not going in the same direction. It's not going to work. That's okay. But at least you started taking the footsteps to build. And maybe from that relationship that didn't work, it gave you a little boldness and desire to figure out another relationship that will work, and you will find the relationships that work. Some of you will find relationships, and you'll say to yourself, they are way too serious about Jesus for me. And sometimes that means that they're just way too far over the top, and sometimes that means that you are spiritually not mature enough for that relationship. And it will eat at you because you'll understand there is something in me that needs to grow to get there. And if that keeps eating away at you long enough, it should hopefully push you in that direction. And so what we want to do today is say, listen, we don't break up church and we don't do stuff like that. I'm not interested in doing church like everybody else does church. I'm interested in people being successful and growing and looking like the church. So this is how the church works. They fellowshiped, they ate together, they read together, they prayed together. That is the making of the New Testament church. And if you're not in connection with your brothers and your sisters, if you're not growing, if you're not striving to be successful, then we're missing it. 
pursuing great people means I have to chase after them. You have your categories of what great people look like. You've had connections with people in this church. Now it's time to start living out these connections and seeing where these relationships go. Is everybody with me? Great people pursue great people. If you're going to be great, you're going to have to start chasing after greatness. I'll say it one more time. If you're going to be great, you have to pursue and chase after greatness. I have four kids. Each of them plays a sport. Each of them is very intelligent. And I say to them, there are some times you're going to have to write dad an essay. And they flip over the chair. And they say, for what? I don't have to. And I say to them, if you're going to be great in school, you're going to have to get these practices of writing essays down. So no more comic book book readings. I know you love that stuff. Grab a chapter book, two pictures to no pictures. Read your chapters. Write me an essay. Why? Because I want you to be great. And if your essay looks like garbage, I'm going to send it back to you. You going to turn it into my teacher? No, this is for us. Don't worry about extra credit. It's about being extra. If you want to be great, you have to pursue great people. Take advantage of opportunities that push you to be great. This exercise we did is uncomfortable, but I promise you if you push through it, you will find great success and opportunities to be successful. Great people pursue great people. As the band comes up to play for communion, I'm going to pray. Father God, let this be a message that burns in our hearts and our minds and our spirits. Let this be an opportunity to chase after you, to follow after you, to walk in your footsteps. Give us your wisdom. Give us your strength. Give us your heart. As we move into communion, Father, for every area that we have lacked, every area that we have left, um, left you short in, where we've missed the mark, Father, look and allow us to search our hearts to build the first initial key relationship with you, that we pursue after you, chase after you, in our thoughts and our process and our hearts and our will. Father, let us use these phone numbers we've gotten, this information that we've gotten, these email addresses that we've gotten, and challenge us throughout the week that we would chase after, pursue after these great people in this place to be greater. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.